Welcome to the Soul Ability Superhuman Laboratory, where we uncover the secrets to upgrading your mind, body, soul, and business. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Soul Ability Podcast, or as I like to call it, the Soul Ability Superhuman Laboratory. I'm your host, Dr. Michael DeMarco, and on today's episode, we have a very special guest, a good friend of mine, Jen Esker. Now, Jen is also known as Doc Jen Fit on Instagram. She's a doctor of physical therapy, and she has over 300,000 followers. She has reached millions of people with her mobility posts and teach people about anatomy and yoga and all this really great stuff. And on today's episode, we dive a little bit in deeper into who Jen is, where she came from, what she sees clinically, what's the one thing that she focuses on first to fix, help people fix their bodies, and what lessons that her body has taught her about life. Now, we get a little bit clinical in this episode, but that's okay. Just kind of slow it down. If you have any questions, you can always reach me on my Instagram at Dr. DeMarco or on Facebook at Dr. DeMarco, and I will be happy to answer any of your questions or comments. If, and if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and please leave a review because leaving a review will help give me feedback and will also help this podcast reach more people. And I absolutely appreciate it, whether you feel like it deserves a five-star review, which is great, or less. It's up to you. But please give it a listen, and uh, I hope you enjoy. Hey, Jen. Well, thank you for uh, being on the show. I I think this is going to be an awesome episode. Um, just well, thank to get, you for having me. <laughs> uh, just to get started, like we've talked in private, and so I know about you. But tell the audience a little bit about you and your background, and um, how you got started. Yeah, well, I am a doctor of physical therapy, so I am working on bodies all day long, is what I like to say. <laughs> um. I kind of got started in this whole Instagram world about three years ago, and it's created quite a platform for me where I can treat for myself, not working in a clinic anymore, working independently, and treating exactly the way I want to be treating, which is amazing. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome that you made that transition from, like, everyday physical therapists to, like, killing it on Instagram with over, like, you think you have over 300,000 followers now? Yeah, like in a catching pretty, up to Lewis. <laughs> yeah, pretty short period of time. Yeah, and Lewis, did Lewis help you, guide you, uh, like the, what to do or anything like that? Like your boyfriend, Lewis. No. Lewis Houses. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's uh, one of my mentors. Um, he's a really big, pretty big podcast. And uh, <laughs> if you don't know him, uh, you should. Everyone should. Um, yeah. But I want to go no. into like, oh, sorry. I want to, oh, like no. you, you went into the, the Instagram stuff direct, like right away, but I wanted to go into like, how did you figure out that you wanted to do what you're doing? Like become a physical therapist in the first place. Uh, like for me, it wasn't just, you know, a lot of people have like an injury or something, but for me, it was just, I just wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I was always pretty fascinated by the body. I mean, even through high school, I loved anatomy and physiology. Those are the classes that I actually enjoyed. So moving forward into 
into college, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll do kinesiology. (laughs) And as I coached gymnastics and as I did all these things, it's like, I loved, I realized I loved looking at the body. Mm -hmm. I also taught Pilates for a while. And as much as like, I loved teaching Pilates and doing modifications for different people and working with different bodies, it was still not enough. Just like gymnastics wasn't enough. I would tape an ankle, but I'd be like, but why am I taping an ankle? So you felt limited by your knowledge? Yes, definitely limited. And I just wanted more. And I always want more. Like I still want more. (laughs) Well, that's the goal. That's the point of life, right? Just keep progressing and getting better and better. Yeah. I just want to be able to help people as maximum as I can. And even if that's helping other clinicians be better or helping Mm -hmm. just people in general and gaining more knowledge, just whatever that may be, it is a drive to help people. Did you have, did you have like one moment that was like your aha moment that made the biggest impact in your life? It could be back then, or it could be even recently, like that making the transition from being just, you know, working in a clinic to, uh, reaching hundreds of thousands of people and even millions, I think, on some of your posts online. Uh, how did that? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, really, it was in in my last year of PT school. I saw someone working on my boyfriend, and she was a chiropractor, and she was working out of his house and with her own table, with her own tools. And I was like, what is this? (laughs) Literally in school, they teach you how to work in a hospital or an, you know, acute care Mm -hmm. or how to work in outpatient, whether that's neurological or outpatient or whatever it may be. But they never taught you how to be your own boss, how to do whatever it is you wanted to do. You had to follow whatever the clinic was, or you create your own clinic and you maybe make money down the road, but it just takes for, you know, it's just, they didn't teach you. It's just, it's just like that in chiropractic school too. And I think it's even like that at business school. (laughs) So (laughs) no one's going to have to figure it out either way. (laughs) Yeah. No one teaches you entrepreneurship and how to do it. Wow. That's crazy. But she was the first one that I like kind of, I talked to and I watched her treat and I was like, oh my gosh, she's doing like physical therapy. I think maybe she did one manipulation and then it was like soft tissue and movement. And Uh I was like, that's amazing. And, and it opened my eyes to chiropractic and that there's better (laughs) than just adjust and go. Yeah. It's definitely more than that. Like, that's, yes. It depends on how you practice, just like physical therapy. Exactly. Just like physical therapy. Oh my goodness, I've been in so many physical therapy offices where it's just ultrasound and ice and stem. Yeah. <laughs> and like so we were I was going to wait to get into some of the clinical stuff, but I think this is a good transition. Like so what do you for me, like one of the lessons that I've learned is that when you have like a physical uh like a mechanical problem you need a mechanical solution so mm-hmm. but if you have like a chemical problem you need a chemical solution so it's like the difference of like if you got in a car accident you got a huge dent in your car you have to physically pop out the dent in order to fix it you can't just paint it over so like the paint mm-hmm. is like just like the stem or uh, yeah ultra, some like those kind of modalities or drugs or whatever and the, all the other things the physical modalities are just like the manual therapy the manipulation the the exercises, the neuro neuromuscular reeducate, like those kind of things that are going to fix the actual mechanical solution. For sure, I feel like through school we learn how to. We have to learn all the special tests for everything. We have to learn, <laughs> yeah. you know, 
how to tell what an injury is and and specifics, including that, which is a great basis to start. But then it was like, okay, now what? Like, how do I actually help someone beyond passive treatments of modalities and, and some little soft tissue and stuff, but how do I really actually help someone and how do I look at the body as a whole? And I think that's what I've learned along the way too, is like, well, the foot can be connected to your shoulder and that's why you're having issues. And your pelvis and the way that that responds to the body. And it's like all these things go together. It's all, they don't really teach you that in, in school. At least I didn't feel like they did. And so I've had a very much discover it along the way. Yeah. They don't, I mean, they, they kind of teach the isolationist model. Like, Oh, if you have a foot injury, like focus on the foot. Like that's the mainstream like medicine kind of way. Like you specialize in this one thing. So you just do that. Yes. But we know that, in our experience that everything is connected in your body and every, everything is just generally connected, right? Like how we met through Lewis, like that's like our connection. There's always like <laughs> yeah. that six degrees of separation. And if you, that's like in life. And also it's especially true in your body. Like you, uh, you know, you move your foot and you're walking. It's not just your foot that's, mm-hmm. the, that's moving. It's your, your knee, your hip, your back, all the way up to your neck, everything, like your, even your arms and your hands. Right. Um, so when you're evaluating somebody, what's the first thing that you look for that like makes that big connection for you? I'm really looking at the entire body and I'm asking them, do you feel weight in one foot more than the other? Do you, where do you feel you're in your body? Do you feel like you're forward? Do you feel like you're back? Like I'm really trying to get people in tune with their own body. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I watch them walk. I say, okay, do you feel this arm not moving? Maybe right. that's why your shoulders locked <laughs> up. You know, it's like, I'm trying to get them in tune a lot in the evaluations with how they're moving, how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I take them through the basic SFMA screening just to see basic movement patterns. And again, to ask them questions, well, what do you feel when you do this? Do you feel like your chin touches your chest and in forward head? Don't you feel like that might be a problem? (laughs) Yeah. You know, so really we dress everything together, which I think makes it so much more collaborative and makes them more involved in the treatment and makes them more willing to move forward in the treatment. Now it's not just someone looking at me and saying, okay, do these things, but now I have a reason why behind everything. Yeah, I agree. And for, so like, just even for me, like one of the things that's like usually at the center of it all, like that's the key is like the breathing, like how is somebody breathing? Oh my goodness. So, so much. Yes. I, A lot of people I find too, I get a lot of chronic back pain, a lot of chronic upper trap pain, (laughs) you know, the typical stuff. Um, And people can't even relax. I can't even take them through passive range of motion because they can't even relax in their own body. And then I ask them to breathe and they take a deep breath with their chest. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not just like regular people that just sit around a a lot of, I mean, a lot of athletes too. Yeah. How many times somebody yeah. just like you ask them to take a breath in, deep breath in and out, and they're like, <sighs> and, uh-huh. like and yeah, that's it. Like you, exactly. you run marathons. How are you breathing like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's key. I've treated this huge athlete that um I guess he's more of a bodybuilder type guy, but right. he's he's very much in the public eye and everything and looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And when 
after our evaluation, he was like, oh my gosh, the one thing that I took home was breathing. Like, yes, all the other things were great, but like, I didn't realize how much my breathing was restricting everything. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a physical biomechanical restriction. And then you also have the deeper impact of like changing your blood pH and Mm -hmm. um, all the other things that breathing actually controls. Oh, definitely. Like you, you, you can go uh, a few weeks without food and you can go a few days without water, but you can only last five minutes without breathing. Like you'll, you'll die. Um, Yeah. And it's just, so it's not just even a biomechanical thing. It's so important. It's like the, one of the deepest layers I feel um, of your health. I totally agreed. Definitely. Yeah. So what are like, where, like, where do you see the biggest restrictions that people have with their breathing and what else does it affect that you think? And how would you fix them? Like how, if you saw like you, that bodybuilder, right. Mm-hmm. He came to you and he had, uh, the, you asked him to take a breath in and out and his breathing was terrible. Mm-hmm. Where would you first address that? And like, what would be restricting it and how would you fix so it? So there, there could also be, you know, um, I would say mechanical restrictions again within the diaphragm and things that need to be released in order them, for them to be able to breathe. Um, rib cages could be shifted, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But beyond all the stuff that I can work on with him, I just, the one thing I tell people to go home and do is give me at least five minutes before you go to bed. Prop your feet up on some pillows, relax your legs, let your low back sink into the bed, put one hand on your chest, one hand on your belly close your eyes and take deep, slow breaths for me, feeling your belly hand move a lot, but trying to feel no movement from the upper hand. And if you can give me at least five minutes to be able to tap into that parasympathetic system and relax the body, Mm -hmm. you start to teach the body how to do that more naturally. So that's what I'm at least trying to get out of people. Yeah. I (laughs) I mean, I, I do the exact same thing. So I, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's something that if you're listening today, you can absolutely do on your own. Jen just explained it out for you to just try and practice. It's super simple to just practice your breathing. And it's something that we really neglect in our lives. Yeah. And it's so important for everything. I mean, stress causes a lot of injuries, especially when you're talking about chronic low back and chronic upper trap and all that kind of stuff. Breathing is the first key to all of that. Not a massage. (laughs) No. You know, not these other things. Breathing. Yeah. And how many times people just want that massage? They want the easy passive way out. They want you to do all the work for them. Yes. But it doesn't work that way. Not physical therapy or chiropractic for sure. No, not the way it should be. <laughs> no, you have to put a little work in if you want to get better. Yeah. And like for sure. how how much so breathing, like and it's interesting that that guy was a bodybuilder because like I I was a bodybuilder and I first got introduced to it by learning about Arnold Schwarzenegger and one of the things that those guys used to do was practice what's called the vacuum pose, which mm-hmm. is all about controlling your like diaphragm or your core and using kind of your breathing to to manipulate how you actually look on stage. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that, I think that's something that bodybuilding has gotten away with and maybe they're coming back to. Um, but like if you play soccer or an instrument or you sing, your coaches have probably told you to try to breathe that way. But just maybe they didn't know how to explain it to, for you to do in a way that was easy for you to get. Yeah, or implement into everyday life. Right, because I've heard it before, but... Even for me, like it took me years to figure it out on my own. Like I had a lot of issues like trying to run. I could never run like over a mile without like dying. And I thought I had like exercise induced asthma. (laughs) Yeah. But it it really was just like I had breathing restrictions. I would get these like sharp pains in my ribs and my diaphragm and I couldn't breathe. Uh, And I tried inhaler and that didn't work. And then I started doing some like simple mobility stuff for for breathing, like doing self diaphragm release and uh, practicing my breathing after doing that. Yeah. And everything just like changed for me. And I still hate running and I don't really do it. But <laughs> So that but, didn't change much. <laughs> right. But I know I could if I wanted to. Yeah. 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 For sure. So like what, what are some like other major things that you see on people? I mean, for me, it's, there's like, there's two. There's like breathing and then there's like the glutes being shut off. Like, and that's huge. <laughs> um, I would say that whole core area. So <laughs> I teach people how to engage from the transverse abdominis, the glutes, and the pelvic floor. Because I think those are all three very forgotten areas. <laughs> Definitely. And they're all, they're all connected to each other. Without yes. one, you lose stability in the other. It's like you're trying yep. to build that bridge with like only if half of the pieces. Yep. For sure. And when you can tap in and stabilize there, it really helps to be able to stabilize all throughout the body. So yeah, you well, that's a key one. Yeah. You can't stabilize unless you have the keystone in place. And Mm -hmm. that's, uh, I think a lot of personal trainers really don't, uh, understand that. Like we hear everywhere about core stability and people are yeah. trying to like work on their abs the whole time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. That's where it's the missing link. Like, oh, well, my abs look really pretty. So I have an amazing core. <laughs> right. And how many times have you told someone that they have a weak core and they get pissed off? Oh, yeah. Even when I was teaching Pilates, my favorite was getting because I, I taught at one place that was connected to a CrossFit gym. So we would get some CrossFitters who were trying to, you know, increase their core strength Yeah, and they were dying and some wouldn't come back because they were so embarrassed that, well, I could do all these total bars, no problem, but why can't I do a tabletop and Pilates? Hip flexor strength. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's not really helping you too much. That's probably causing a lot of your back pain and shutting. Exactly. Exactly. Like there's so, so, yeah. I mean, there's so much like that. Like, I don't even know yet. I feel like that uh, that can help people. Like they're like the, you get a basic understanding of these things. Like when you start training or like going to PT school or Cairo school, but you just keep you have to keep going deeper and keep learning. You don't oh, know yeah. everything. Oh, definitely not. And I almost feel like that part of um, teaching with people came from Pilates, not even physical therapy school. Like it was so basic in in therapy school. Yeah. I- I agree. I think that's having that background in something else and applying that to what you're doing now is crucial. Mm-hmm. 
there's so many like providers out there trying to teach like weight loss and physical fitness and muscle growth and stuff like that that have zero like have never even tr- tried to build muscle or were yeah. ever successful at it. Yeah. Which uh, there's a lot of doctors doing it, right? And doctors don't have yeah. that, that kind of tra- like it's not even the training, it's just like did you have you tried to live it or not? Right. And you definitely live it. Like I had it like some of your uh Instagram videos, like your spinal mobility is insane. I don't even know anybody that can do that kind of stuff. Even a lot of <laughs> yoga instructors. That's so funny. I mean, I I feel like it's still very limited. <laughs> it's I I mean, I guess when you get to that point, you feel like you're limited, but there's I mean, you you were a gymnast for a long time, right? Yeah. But I was. I did I've it for 9 with, years. Like top-level gymnasts, like going into the Olympic gymnasts that have don't even have anything close to that kind of mobility. Well, you know, I don't think I think I had to stop gymnastics in order for me to gain mobility because you know, a lot of gymnasts even get um, spondylolisthesis where they uh-huh. get the slip, the slip vertebrae yep. because they're doing so much extension through the low back. Right. And I feel like it's not taught correctly. Like, oh, well, maybe you should open your hips a bit more or your upper back a bit more. Like, it's just like bend. Right. <laughs> no specific, just bend. And, and then you build muscle and power on top of that. And it's just... I've had so many friends with back injuries from gymnastics. Yeah. Let's just make you look like you can do it and, yeah. and not care if you're actually doing it. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I don't care where the movement comes from just as long as it looks good. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's pretty scary, but I mean, a lot of, a lot of sports, anything you get into that's so specific movement over and over and over again, of course there's going to be injury. <laughs> of course. Of course. So like to get, that mobility and I mean you seem like for, forget about just like the physical stuff like met like you just seem like a happy person like you uh you know you have a great positive outlook on life and stuff like that like how do you have any daily like what's your more like daily routine like your morning routine do you fall to have any mindfulness or meditation practices that you follow um what's your routine like just yeah give people an idea of what your daily like routine is like I would love to say that I get up and I work out and I meditate, <laughs> you know, but like reality is unless I'm starting at like 10 or 11 that day, I'm probably like scrambling to get out of bed, turning off my three to five alarms, mm-hmm. making my coffee. I do make my bed every day. That's, I feel like that's super crucial for me. That can have a big impact. It's just that organization at the beginning of the day. Yeah. It sets the tone. It really does. Like, okay, I accomplished that. I can go on and accomplish other things, even though I'm running late right now, <laughs> which sometimes unfortunately happens for me. Um, I'm not a morning person. Like last night I stayed up until 2 AM finishing <laughs> things. So I will stay up as late as necessary. And, and I love going over like my gratitude for the day at night too. Mm-hmm. So I, I do a lot of I would say more practices at night. If I haven't gotten a workout in, I'll do that at 10 o'clock at night. Like it's not even that. Have, have you ever heard of uh, Dr. Michael Bruce, his book, the power of when? Uh, I haven't actually, but sounds, sounds interesting. Yeah. It's so-, <laughs> so he has these basic, uh, like three chronotypes, um, or four, four chronotypes. And they basically, you take this like quiz and read through the book 
And it kind of like puts you into a category of like when you do your best work, when you should be waking up, how long you should sleep. (laughs) And it sounds like you're trying to push yourself into a chronotype that you're not, that you don't do your best work at, like you do your best work at night. So I do. Yeah. And I think that's important. Totally. I'm not a morning person. Like I can't, I try, I've tried to do stuff in the morning, like extra, like go to the gym and all that stuff. The only thing I could do in the morning is like maybe some meditation stuff or some breath work, but actually physical, like I'm terrible at it. And I don't start waking up till later in the day. Um, Ditto. Yeah. So I'm like a wolf, you know, I do. I'm like great (laughs) at night. Yeah. And I think you're the same. I think you're the same. So totally. Yeah, I, I have mean, clients who are like, I got an email at like 1 a.m. from you. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> sorry. I was just getting started. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I think that what you're doing is perfect for your schedule. Like working, doing the stuff on Instagram and not being in such a clinical setting, like in transitioning. Because, I mean, like for me and you, like we're both, we're kind of like starting out still, even though we're yeah. at this level that a lot of people want to be at. Yeah. And we're still figuring stuff out. And that's important for everyone to understand that you're not going to always have it all together. Never. Nobody has it all together yet. And you're always trying to figure things out. And doing things. How long have you been a physical therapist? Two years. Yeah. So anything. I feel like anything under five years, you're new. Oh, yeah. You're still. You're totally. Yeah, you're brand new. No matter what level (laughs) you get to. Whether you like. It took me like only two, three years to get to where I'm at, having this big clinic, um, seven-figure clinic, and it only took you two years to get to where you're at, where you're able to just like make your own schedule and like kind of see who you want to see, mm-hmm. and you have you're reaching a number of people that most provide like physical therapists or chiropractors or medical doctors will never even reach in their entire lifetime of practice. But just because yeah, we like crazy. got to that level, you're not like, th- we can always change things. But I think that that direction you're going in where you're able to make your own schedule, you can even tweak it a little more and have you a bigger impact. Yep, for sure. Yeah, so I, so one of the, this, obviously this podcast is called Solability. <laughs> and one of the things that I like to um, talk about are the lessons that your body has taught you about life. So if you had to pick three lessons that your body has taught you that you can apply to your life to become successful, what would those three be? And I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but. <laughs> um, definitely to listen Um, no matter what that is, everyone asks me, well, how often do you do cardio? How often do you lift? How often do you do this? And I'm like, when my body tells me I'm going to, I, I, I truly like, if I feel like running, I'm going to run. If I feel like doing a lift, I'm going to lift. Like I listen to my body and not only in terms of movement, but hugely in terms of food. Right. I used to like just grow up and understand that I have a crappy stomach and that's just life. Just accept <laughs> like that's it. literally what I accepted because <laughs> I grew up like with bean and cheese burritos and chocolate milk. I mean, that was life. <laughs> and, and then I grew up and I started eating like better foods and I'm like, Oh, I feel better. And then when I eat bad foods, I feel bad and it yeah. hurts and it sucks. And so 
understanding, like, I'm not just trying to eat clean to look good, but I'm mm-hmm. literally listening to my body. And it's really taught me a lot. Yeah. How crazy is it that when people are in those uncomfortable, like those situations where they feel crappy, they don't even realize they're in them until they're out of them. Yeah. And then they look back and they're like, man, I felt like crap. But there's a lot of people that never even get to that point because like you said, they don't even just, they don't even listen. Right. Exactly. Um, and there, yeah, the lack of awareness is, uh, like just not there. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's one lesson. That is two more. (laughs) Um, a huge one, obviously for me, anyone who knows me, my, my body has taught me to move. That is going to be like my power of everything. Um, even if I'm having, if I'm having a bad day, if I'm kind of moody for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, like people around me would be like, did did you work out today? (laughs) Cause it, it changes everything for me. It, it changes my mood. It changes, you know, it releases the endorphins and it gets everything going, but it's, it just is everything for me. Movement, no matter if it's just like going and taking a walk somewhere or doing a hard exercise, which is typically what I like. Um, I just need to move. And my body has taught me that like, I need continual movement. I need to play with movement. I need to move. Well, we, yeah. I mean, we learn better with movement Our food digests better with movement. Like it's the most basic function of life really. Is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what, so what's the third one? What would you think that it's, it's kind of sometimes like tough to, to think about these, but if you really think about them, then especially if you're into fitness, you realize mm-hmm. like, man, like the whole, the way that I got in shape is the same way that I could become successful. Like, and I'm, I'm great at that. Why haven't I done it yet? Yeah. You know, hmm. well, my body, <laughs> or, or even just working my, with patients, you know, like, well, well, I think, you know, I've, especially recently I've been looking at, okay, I know I have things going on in my body that are off. Like I have thoracic outlet syndrome going through my right hand and I have just other things mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that I've like hip flexor pain if I sprint or do a hike and these things that I just ignore. I'm like, oh, go away, whatever. And I and I continue to tell other people don't ignore it, listen <laughs> to your body and do other things and I just kind of pass them along. So I'm learning right now to really listen to my body in terms of, okay, maybe not that heavy lift, but mm-hmm. maybe more of this mobility flow. Yeah. And, and I'm reaching out to other clinicians in other spaces that I don't know about and saying, Hey, can you evaluate me? I want to know what your take is. I want to know what your opinion on this thing is because my, my, you know, knowledge only goes so far. Right. So you can always learn more. Right. And it's, so it's really interesting to take someone else and put it and have them evaluate me and assess me and what I feel in my body and what do I, what am I getting out of it? And it's, it's really been a super cool experience recently. I call it the treat yourself journey. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. And I think it's, it's hard for practitioners to kind of like, we're the worst patients. Like Mm -hmm. we are Mm -hmm. Um, because we're always trying to like help other people. Exactly. we, We forget about ourselves, but the way that you help other people is by being, you can't help someone else if you're, you know, injured or you're, I get, you know, like the, 
on the airplane, they tell you to put the oxygen yeah. mask, you secure your own mask <laughs> first so you, before you help anyone else. Like if you're passed out, you can't help anybody else. Exactly. So you have to take care of yourself first. And we forget that. And that's not something that they teach us in school. They're, in school, they're just like pounding on you that you have to help everybody else. And society is like, hey, you're a doctor. you got to help everybody else. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we can't neglect ourselves because when we neglect ourselves, then we're, we are not able to help other people. And just being a great example, you're helping other people of how you, how you live your life. Yeah. So I commend you on that, realizing that early and doing Thank it. Thank you. Yeah. And so another thing that I want to ask you is it's a kind of a lesson for yourself. If you had to do it all over again, what's the number one thing that you would push yourself to do or teach your younger self? Um, I love this question. <laughs> and for me growing up, I was so shy, so shy and so like wanting to please everyone else. So, oh, I don't know if I should say that because I don't know if that would make that person mad. And <laughs> if I could go back, I'd like shake myself and be like, just be you and just say it, mm-hmm. just express it because, you know, it's always going to be a little scary and there's always going to be pushback and there's always going to be people who aren't going to agree, but you get to reach so much more people and you get to learn so many more things when you're just able to express yeah, you just have to just not give a fuck. <laughs> exactly. Like, and I gave lots of fucks when way back in the day. Yeah. I was so shy, so quiet. Like I still consider myself pretty shy. If I go into a group of people, I'm still like, okay, having to remind myself how to like break out of my own head. I yeah. And I I feel the same way. And I think a lot of successful people, they kind of start out that way. Because you're you're you actually care what people think, and you do you want to just help people, and you don't want them to to come back with like this negative reaction, or maybe try to maybe offend them. But you realize that you have to not care if you offend. Yeah. Them. How many times yeah. have somebody says something to you that you're like, "Whoa, did you just say that to me?" And they really <laughs> don't even they don't give a fuck what you think, like. But right. as much as it kind of like threw you off, you think about it and maybe it helps you. Like it pushed you. Like I didn't realize that about myself. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. So, it's very true. And you have to like if you don't put yourself out there, somebody else like that who doesn't know what they're talking about is going to do it anyway. And yeah. then everybody else is going to be listening to them. And you're just doing them harm by not putting out the knowledge that you have and your yourself and your light that you you're putting out to help people. Like you're not fulfilling your mission on your mission or fulfilling your passion because you're just like too afraid of what people Mm -hmm. are going to think. For sure. Definitely. Definitely. That's huge. And I like that lesson. That's that can apply to everybody. I, I think a lot of people, even as you get more successful, um, as you get bigger, people tend to kind of like recede from the public eye, I've noticed. And it's mm. because they get attacked. Yeah. As you get bigger, you're going to get attacked. Like people are going to. Yeah, you're, you're going to. You're going to have a lot of pushback. The more you're out there, the more people are going to say something. Right. So developing that thick skin and only caring about the people that want your help and are open to it. Um, 
or just even putting it out there for anybody and only worrying about the feedback that you're getting from that people are that are open to it, I think is a a great way to start. Yeah. So what's next for you and where can people reach you? Um, next for me, I really, I'm hoping to help out on a lot of different yoga teacher trainings all around and be more of the anatomy source and body source for that. Um, so hopefully you guys can catch me all around the world if you take a <laughs> yoga teacher training. Yeah. Um, I definitely want to create more programs online. Uh-huh. So those will be coming soon. And I'm going to not treat as much. I had to tell one patient of mine, he's coming up, he's like halfway through his visits. Right. And he's like, wait, but what? You're not going to be here like after that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know right now. Right. But you have me right now. Yeah, (laughs) you have to. (laughs) And you have to do that. You know, like they got you. They they got your your one-on-one time. But if that's holding you back from your dreams and honestly helping more people, like you're not ignoring them, um, then that's just what you have to do. Right. I'm trying to reach more. So Yeah. And I totally get that. And it's not just reaching more out of like a selfish reason. It's reaching more like you have so much to offer. Like you have to just get it out there and make a bigger impact. And we all should be trying to make that bigger impact. For sure. So what, so people can reach you at your, it's like your, what's your Instagram name? Doc Jen fit D O C J E N F I T. And same with my website, docgenfit.com. Same as Facebook, Doc Jen fit. Yeah. And I <laughs> try to keep it pretty simple. I suggest that everybody go and follow you because you've gotten to this point so fast. I feel like you're just going to keep on growing and getting better and just the, the content that you're going to put out there is going to be amazing. Uh, you, just the, some of the videos that you put out are super helpful. Like you explain it really well for people to, to understand. Thank so, you. Yeah. I, pre- uh, I mean, I appreciate you being on here and uh, just sharing oh. a little bit about your story. Um, and I'd like to do it again sometime and go even maybe a little bit deeper, you know? Yeah. Okay. I'm always open for that. <laughs> All right. All right, Jen. Well, thank you for being on the show. And uh, I'll see you. I'll see you soon. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Jen. We started off a little bit slow, but we got really deep in the end. If there's anything else that you would like to see on the podcast, any any guests, anything you want to hear about, talk about, it could be health related, it could be physical related, it could be mental, anything that you want to hear about that's going to help you reach and achieve your soul ability, please let me know, leave me a comment. And if you haven't, please leave me a review in iTunes. I really appreciate it. That just helps me reach more people with this podcast and helps us get the message out that everybody has the power to do it inside themselves and more people need to know that we need to empower people to do their best and be their best thank you so much for listening and i will see you on the next episode